In part four of our Federal Circuit podcast series, we take a look at the trend of the Supreme Court overturning Federal Circuit cases. We're joined now by Finnegan partner Mike Jakes. Last year, Mike, the Supreme Court heard six cases from the Federal Circuit. What were the outcomes of those cases? Well, first of all, they were all patent cases, which is a little bit unusual since the Federal Circuit hears other types of cases. Five of those decisions were reversed or vacated, and only one of them was affirmed, the Alice decision. That's a reversal rate of over 80%. This treatment, though, is really not out of line with other circuits. For example, last year, the First Circuit, the Third Circuit, the Eighth Circuit, they had fewer cases, but they were reversed 100% of the time. The Ninth Circuit, the the Supreme Court took 11 cases and reversed all but one of those. And so this is not really that unusual for the Federal Circuit to be reversed this number of times. The conventional wisdom is that the Supreme Court takes cases usually to reverse them. It's not always true. There have been Federal Circuit cases like Bilski and I4I, Monsanto, Nile Alice that were all affirmed. But it's more common that the cases are reversed. The one thing I would say that's common to the outcome of all six cases is they favor the patent challenger and not the patent owner. Mike, is this an unusual number of cases for the Supreme Court to take from the Federal Circuit? It really is an unusual number. Six cases is a lot. That was actually 9% of the Supreme Court's caseload last year. And if you think that the Supreme Court is spending almost 10% of its time on patent cases, that's a lot. There were 41 petitions that were denied at the Supreme Court, and then six granted. That's over a 10% grant rate, which is also a very high number from the federal circuit. There's some possible reasons for this increasing number. Some people have suggested it's the higher profile cases. They involve large amounts of money. Others have suggested that there are better advocates out there, members of the Supreme Court bar who are filing the cert petitions and know how to attract the Supreme Court's attention. And others have suggested the Supreme Court's caseload is lower, so they actually have more time for patent cases. Judge Lurie, uh, one of the judges of the Federal Circuit, said last summer at the Federal Circuit Bar Association conference, he was giving his state of the court address. He said, perhaps the justices just think we are so often wrong. That was his take on why they're taking so many cases. Did the Supreme Court's opinions give any indication of what the court thinks of the Federal Circuit and how it's doing in patent cases? As I said before, the reversal rate is not so much of an indication because it's common for the Supreme Court to reverse when it takes cases. But perhaps more telling is the opinions themselves. The Supreme Court's opinions have been very short and unanimous. For example, the Nautilus case, that was a unanimous opinion. It's 14 pages long. The Alice case, also unanimous, 17-page opinion. That's the longest one. The Federal Circuit struggled with that case and issued lots and lots of opinions, and yet the Supreme Court dealt with it in just 17 pages. The Akamai case was also unanimous. That's an 11-page decision by Justice Alito. There again, the Federal Circuit struggled with these issues. It had in bank rehearing, multiple opinions, and yet the Supreme Court disposed of it very quickly. Some people have focused on Justice Alito's opinion it's so short, it's almost dismissive of what the Federal Circuit had done. Plus, he really took a shot at the Federal Circuit. In Justice Alito's opinion, he said, the Federal Circuit fundamentally misunderstands what it means to infringe a method patent. That's a pretty strong statement, considering that the Federal Circuit is given jurisdiction over all patent cases. And that's mostly what it does, is hear patent cases, to suggest that they don't understand infringement 
is a pretty strong statement. Justice Alito went on to say that under the Federal Circuit's reasoning, inducement liability could be found when fewer than all of a method's steps have been performed. Well, that would be nice, except it's not true. The Federal Circuit actually didn't say that. They said a lot of things, but they certainly didn't say that. So one wonders how much attention the Supreme Court is actually paying to these cases. Some have said it appears that the Supreme Court really doesn't care that much about these cases. The short, rushed opinions, no dissents, and so there's a question of why they even bothered to take them. But they certainly did last year with six cases. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear more Federal Circuit cases this year. What are those cases and their significance? Well, the first one has already been argued. It's Teva versus Sandoz. And that's actually a very fundamental question of whether claim construction decisions by the district court are entitled to deference. That issue has been around for a while. And interestingly, the Federal Circuit recently revisited that question itself and came to the conclusion that no deference was due It was, again, a close opinion, and the Supreme Court granted cert just a month later. So we're waiting to see how that one comes out. The Supreme Court also recently took cert in Camille versus USA. That's a very important case on induced infringement. The Federal Circuit had held that a good faith belief that a patent is invalid can serve as a defense to induced infringement. That one will be briefed and heard next year. The Solicitor General actually came in and said that the Federal Circuit was wrong in its decision, so that one's likely to be reversed. And finally, there's another patent case, or at least a patent licensing case, that didn't come from the Federal Circuit. It's Kimball versus Marvel, where a cert was granted in December. The Supreme Court is reconsidering the Brulotti decision, which is a 50-year-old precedent that held that post-expiration royalties are per se illegal. That is, royalty payments for the use of a patent after it expires has long been held that that's illegal, but the Supreme Court is reconsidering that one as well. So they are jumping right back into the patent business, following up on what they did last year. And finally, Mike, do you expect the Supreme Court to take more cases from the federal circuit this term? There's still a lot of time left in this term, and there are a lot of petitions that are being lined up for the court to consider. I wouldn't be surprised if the Supreme Court takes one or two more cases. They may not reach the high watermark of six cases last year, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are another one or two that are taken before the end of the term. Our guest has been Mike Jakes, a partner at Finnegan, one of the largest IP law firms in the world. For more commentary on intellectual property news and issues, to listen to other podcasts and to receive additional information on the firm, please visit www.finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.